fulfill the uncompromised Word of God. This is The Way, 101.1. Current events. Personal values. Political and social issues. Technology. Wars and tensions. Join us for the next hour to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today point to God's prophetic Word as signs of the times. Jordan is making demands on the Jews as anti-Semitism is heating up. A crisis of water in southern Nevada could create other problems. There could be more problems if you continue wearing a face mask. And NASA is hoping to attract aliens, but you'll never guess how they plan on doing it. These are just some of the signs of the times, our weekly review of Bible prophecy that we find in the world's news for Friday, May 6th, 2022. To learn more about our program, subscribe, share, or ask a prophecy question, just go to the Way Media app or thewaymedia.net, which is the only place where you can go to read the articles we discuss, which we always encourage you to do. And now, here to help us explain the crazy in our world is Pastor Mark, who always cancels the newly married men in our church, that if your wife says she'll be ready in five minutes, she will be. So there's no need to remind her every 15 minutes about it. <laughs> now, that's one of your better ones. Thank you. That's I, I worked mean, hard on that you today. You did. That was I really did. good. I, I scoured sources <laughs> trying to find you know, something. I'm, I'm going to have to subscribe to something or I don't know what. But, but see, anyway. now you're bringing all the amens out of the men and the women. Like, yes. hey, I, <laughs> hey, wait a minute. That's a hey man. See, when they say amen, that's a hey man. That's a hey wait man. A wait, well, wait a minute. <laughs> I like it. Yes. That's good. Well, good. I, I, I seek your approval. That, that, yes, that one passed. That one passed. Fantastic. <laughs> All right, folks, uh, we got a lot to get to, but first, uh, there's uh, the elephant in the room, as Pastor Mark called it uh, before we went on air, and that is this uh, whole issue that is uh, was uh, is before the Supreme Court, and the issue was leaked about where the Supreme Court justices might be leaning in terms of voting to overturn Roe versus Wade. Yeah. And of course leaked on purpose. Yeah. Uh, no doubt by the dissenting side of the ju- of the of the Supreme Court. Yeah. Uh anyway, uh so let's go ahead and talk about that. Yeah, and I want to give some balance to it. First sure. of all, it's it's great potential news. I mean to think that there might be something where uh we could begin to fight against the murder of all these babies um you know nationwide and Greg what's really interesting to me is is finding out more and more really worldwide how we are influencing uh, how America is influencing abortion. You know, you hear a lot of these um, uh, movie stars and people say, well, if they do this, I'm going to move. And they always threaten that, and they never do. And you kind of wish they would. You know, if you're going to go, then go. Um, but the reality is they don't go because we're the greatest nation in the world. There's nowhere else to go. And many people don't realize this, Greg, but most nations, there are only eight nations in the world out of hundreds that have uh, as free of abortion laws as we do. In France, you can't get an abortion even there after 12 weeks. Uh, so, so 12 weeks maximum for most of your major nations, we're going all the way beyond birth now is what the, our, our representatives are proposing. So we're really the ones that are leading the way in corruption and immorality and just the, 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 the death of all this. Um, but I want to give it a couple of things. One is I want to encourage our listeners continue to pray. Although it's been leaked, it doesn't, it hasn't passed yet. Nothing has happened. So continue to pray because it is a spiritual battle here. Um, I was, you're watching a, a, a commentary. Uh, about uh, Exodus last night, I was being reminded about all the babies being put to death, how Pharaoh had them put the babies to death, and throughout history, all these things. It's really a signature of Satan. Whenever you see babies being killed, it's a signature of the enemy. And so that's what's happening here with with this whole abortion issue. Uh, You know, it might be good if you can do it, you know, quickly, depending on how much time you want to take, but really talk about in the Old Testament uh, that the Bible chronicled the worship of a god named Molech. Oh, yeah. And, 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 And really talk about Pastor Mark how the worship of Molech and the rituals of Molech 
truly do mirror yeah. abortion. Yeah, it's so it's so uh, creepy. Uh, it's sim- eerily similar. Yeah, and and here's the bottom line: the way that Moloch worked see, throughout time. Again, Satan has wanted to kill everybody, not just in the womb, right. but outside of exactly. him. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But babies are an easy target, and he uses. Uh, people want to get out of a responsibility situation. I've got a baby. I've got to get out of it. Either I'm ashamed. If you're a Christian, then maybe you're ashamed. Somebody will find out. You'll be embarrassed. You feel all these feelings coming. So you maybe make a bad decision. If you're a non-Christian, you maybe have the pressure of I'm not ready for a baby. I don't want this responsibility. Or it's gotten so far now where some just say they almost they revel in it. Like it's like something great to kill a baby. It's it's really bizarre and evil. Uh, to the extent it's gone now. But what they would do is they would have these, um, again, Satan always in the, throughout history has promoted sexual promiscuity. So he built sexual promiscuity into their worship times. And so who's not going to be drawn in the world to a worship service where you can have sex? I mean, that's just kind of the flesh on high alert. And so obviously when you do that and all these ancient rituals, you have a lot more babies, a lot more pregnancy. So then what Satan would do after he drew people into sexual immorality, he would say, now, if you want to please the God that you're serving mm. and get his favor, now you'll sacrifice that baby to him. So you had, again, the sexual morality and now murder on top of it. So they would sacrifice their babies, and some did it just in different ways. The Moloch worship, what they would do is they had this statue for the god Moloch, and it was a, an iron or metal statue that had these arms on it and a hollow stomach. And the stomach part is what's really yeah turns your stomach. Um, all of it does. They would take the baby... And they would take a live and there baby. There would be fire inside yeah, they, of that. They would build a stomach. fire in the yeah. belly, in the heart of this, the belly of this thing. Get it burning hot. The iron arms red hot. They'd lay that baby, a live baby, on those arms, offering it to this god. And in order not to hear the baby crying, um, they would play drums and do these like tribal type mm. noises, oh, whatever, and play yeah. drums. So they drowned out the screams of the baby to try to lessen it for the parents. Um, and then they would push the baby down into. Uh, the belly after after it burned for a while in the arms it wasn't dead but then they push it to its death down inside where the fire was and literally the baby would die in the stomach in the belly of Moloch. i mean if you can't see the same spirit greg yeah. of the enemy at work there um interesting then they used drums and chants to drown out the screams of the baby today they simply use a womb because you can't hear the baby screaming when they put it to death inside the mother but it's the same spirit it's demonic it's satanic it appeals to our flesh because it gets us, and I'll put this in air quotes, out of trouble. Takes away our responsibility. Uh, and then, of course, the guilt and the shame and all that comes afterwards and the conviction. But at the same time, so that was Moloch. And the babies, again, this is something that's gone on. Satan oh, has yes. done this since mankind's been Absolutely. on the earth. And, and again, I was talking with Tracy, my wife, just before the show or a little earlier. And we were saying, look, this has been going on. It's not just babies. We tend to focus on how his desire is to kill babies in the womb or out or wherever. But... His desire is to kill everyone. He does it with drugs. He does it with alcohol. He does it with all kinds of things, murder. Um, So Satan is behind all of this atrocity of trying to kill mankind. That's just what he wants to do. So really, even as they're discussing wanting to kill babies now after they're even born, they're talking about that, believe it or not, infanticide. That goes right in line. Satan's already doing that. It's just not as blatant. And the thing is, he's getting more blatant now. So. Again, when you see this kind of stuff happening and they're talking about it, I want to give some balance on this as well, too. We know it's demonic. We know it's evil. We need to be praying for God to stop it. But I want our listeners and especially the church to understand what this really means, because there's a lot of ignorance out there. Even if Roe versus Wade is overturned, abortion will not stop nationwide. It won't. It won't. doesn't mean that suddenly abortion stops. Abortion will continue on across the nation. What it means is, is that it's being recognized. And this is all the lawsuit did, Greg. It's not a constitutional right to have an abortion. That's all this is about. The case was, is it a constitutional right to have an abortion? And the Supreme Court said no, because there's nothing in the Constitution about abortion. So there's no right there. They're not judging on it. Sadly, they're not saying whether or not you can put a baby to death or not. Right. They're just saying it's not constitutional. Well, what it does is it takes any kind of law, rule, or mandate out of the federal Yeah. and and pushes it back down to the states, which yes. is where it belongs. Exactly. And so a lot of states, and I know this state, Tennessee, where we are, yeah. um, already already passed a bill in anticipation of this happening. Isn't that great? So why don't you explain that? I love Tennessee. You're right. And some other states are doing it too, Greg. Yeah. It pushes it down, like you said, from the federal level to the state level. Yeah. And then the states decide if they want abortion or not. America, America. 
Tennessee passing laws already that if that if it goes through, it's going to be it's automatic. Yeah, it's going to be outlawed here in, in Tennessee, which is fantastic. Yeah. And 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 here's the thing about it. Now, again, I want to just there may be some even listening right now who don't know the Lord, and and you're like you know you're tuned in, you're hearing this. It's it, I can't really reason with you on a spiritual level because until your eyes are opened, you're not going to see in the spirit realm. And this may not even make sense to you in that explanation there. But here's the point. I would ask you this. Why do you feel stirred in your spirit about this issue? It, it, this is not a political issue. It is a moral issue. It, it's been pulled into politics. But murder is not a political issue. It, I mean, this is what it is. It's the killing of a baby. And I'll get back to that biblically in a moment. It's murder. And so when you look at murder, let's forget abortion for a minute. Let's talk about murder adults. There's murder. It goes to court. You're in court for murder. That's not a political. You can't go to the courtroom and say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm either a Republican or Democrat and whatever stand. I stand on this stand and we don't believe in that. The judge isn't going to care. He's going to say, this is a moral issue. That's politics. We need to deal with the murder here. Well, abortion is murder. And so what you've got going on, it's not, it's not a political issue. It's been pulled into politics. So everybody on both sides, be it Republican or Democrat, if you're going to stand on morals, saved or unsaved, you've got to stand against the murder of babies. Now, this is where I challenge many. This is where it may not have an influence for those that are not uh, believers that are listening, but to Christians that may even kind of be on the fence. It surprises me, Greg, how many Christians oftentimes seem to be kind of indifferent about abortion. Um, but here's what the Bible says, because the question comes up, okay, when is it a person? And so if it's not a person, are you really killing anybody up to a certain amount of time? Now, we all know that by the time you get to, you know, seven Seven, eight, nine weeks, you hear a heartbeat. Okay, it's a heartbeat. There's a person there. Ten weeks, they've got all ten toes, all ten fingers. I mean, it's very early on. That argument should just fade away. But what does God say? Well, God said to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1, before, and that's the word I want to emphasize here, before you were in the womb, I knew you. So God says this, your life begins before your mom and dad even meet. Your life began before they ever had any physical activity in marriage or out of marriage. God already knew you. He knew your name. He knew your life. All they did, all your parents did was come alongside with what God already knew and waited till the time it was supposed to happen. And then the person, God knew you, then you came into life when there was conception and you, and you traveled on. So the bottom line is it is murder anytime. Yeah. On day one, it's murder. The, the morning after pill is murder because God says, I knew you before you even got pregnant. I knew that child. Yeah. So we have to realize in God's viewpoint and God's word, it's settled long before it ever comes to some issue about where it is. Now, again, why are there so many, again, emotions about this? Number one, we mentioned it. I think a lot of times, Greg, for the most part, it's those who don't know Christ. And the Bible says that, you know, the enemy, Satan, it controls the entire world. So he stirs them because his desire is to kill everybody. He wants the mom dead, too. He wants the dad dead. He wants everybody dead. Um, and, and why would it be, if you, if it's, if, if you don't feel that it's, uh, what would be another reason beside it being, uh, spiritually, demonically led is going to be simply, like I said, I want to challenge any listeners right now, and maybe you're out there considering an abortion right now, and you're listening to today's program. Why are you wanting to do that? Because you're wanting to get yourself out of trouble or responsibility or, or not be ashamed or embarrassed or whatever you're thinking. But you have to realize you're putting yourself before another person and you're choosing to, to put someone to death for your benefit. And, and it, it, it might see it, whether it's legal in the world's eyes or not, in God's eyes, one day we will stand before God Almighty and we will face his judgment. And yeah. so we better make the right decision. And if we've made that decision and already had that abortion, because again, I don't want to come across as uncaring and compassionate for those that have already found themselves guilty of doing this, because many have, yeah. even within the church. God forgives that. If you ask forgiveness and you repent, God not only forgives, he will restore you. He'll wash you clean. He'll help you through those feelings of guilt and conviction and all that goes with that. So know that you're loved. This is not about not being loved or not being cared about if you've ever done that. I speak seriously about it as I am right now because we're talking about life and death. And so it is a serious issue. And there might be someone even now getting ready to drive somewhere today. My encouragement would be, my, my pleading would be, stop. Think about this. Realize it's a, it's a human life before you were ever even pregnant. And God in heaven is going to one day hold you accountable. I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm saying that to prepare you yeah. for that day you'll stand before him and, and to do the right thing. Uh, I'd like to address the spiritual battle uh, component of this, Pastor Mark, only because I remember as a young unbeliever, um, I would be, uh, when it came to the abortion issue or anything that was really against the word of God, right. 
uh, I became very agitated in my spirit for those things that were against, or that were for the Word of God. And when it came to abortion, I was bound and determined to find something in the Bible that validated abortion. And I used what it said in Genesis that God breathed breath into Adam's nostrils and he became a living being. Yeah. So I justified in my own mind that uh, uh, that up to the point of breath, it that was it was fair game. Yeah. But I remember the agitation within me, and I had no reason to be agitated. When I look back on it, it wasn't like I knew someone that had or was denied an abortion or that I got somebody pregnant that, you know, I was facing the whole issue of getting an abortion. Nothing like that. But what it is, is that when you are not a believer, when you've not given your life to Jesus Christ, you're under the sway or the influence of the enemy. And I had an agitation about me when it came to abortion that I could not explain rationally. There is no rationalization for that. So I want to speak to those that might be listening and are agitated yes. at the fact that Roe versus Wade might be turned over. And, and I mean, like you're angry, not just I'm agitated is probably a light right. term. And there's great anger out and there. And there's great anger out there. I'm going to challenge you. You need to examine where that anger is coming from. Absolutely. Because the Bible says it's coming from Satan. That's right. That's right. That's great, Greg. That's a great way to explain it because, again, I spent the first 25 years of my life unsaved, and I also, I never, I I was kind of indifferent about all of it because it didn't affect me, but you know what? Whenever I thought about things that did affect me or I got emotional, I had that same agitation you're talking about, and what I recognize now and what you recognize now and what I want to make a plea to any listeners, especially those of you that maybe don't know the Lord and you're tuning in and, and, you know, whatever, and you're listening, listen to the, at least to the, to the, the discussion. That agitation is, is something spiritual outside of you. It is not, yeah. it is not, there's nothing in you that's going, I want justice. I'm going to fight for justice and righteousness and make abortion happen. Because if you think it through, there's nothing righteous about killing a person. There's nothing just about killing a person. There's nothing, anything. Even if you say it's my right, well, now let me take that further. Is it your right to kill someone? Do you have the right to do that? You don't. Well, but my body. Well, I think we all have settled this what a long time ago. What about the body that's in your body? Well, here's it. It's not your body. It's not your body. Your body's here. It is another body inside of you that God has entrusted you to carry and protect that body until that body is on its own. And by the way, what about the rights of that child? What about, they talk about women have rights. What about the female babies that are not yet born? Do they not have any rights to have life and to be born? Or do you say, well, my, my rights as a female are okay, but not the rights of my female in my stomach. That's not okay. So if you think it through logically, and here's the problem. When it's spiritual, logic pretty much goes out the window. Yes. And especially, Greg, when emotions get involved. Yes. People get so angry they can't think. Here's what I'm making an appeal to you on. Try to stop and reason this out. Say, no, wait a minute. Is there any justification for ending a life anytime other than say they're guilty of murder? They're guilty of, you know, the Bible does justify uh, capital punishment for those that commit murder and rape and other things. But here's the thing there's no justification, biblically or otherwise, for simply ending someone's life. And we all know in our conscience, we know that's wrong. We, we, We just, something in our very being, God puts it in us, that is wrong. So stop and think, I'm feeling agitated, I'm feeling mad, I'm really upset. Why? And if you just say it's because I have rights, then I want you to stop and reason a minute. What about the rights of the baby in you? It's a different person. It's not you. It's a whole separate person. What about their rights? And then again, once we said, but it's not a baby yet. Well, God says yes before you even got pregnant. God knew that child. And the Bible also says that one day we will stand before God and give account for everything we've done. And so we've got to say to Jesus why we did it and what we did. Now, again, if that brings great conviction, and it should, if we're uh, guilty of these sins, that can be taken away with a simple heartfelt cry out to God, letting the Lord know, please forgive me, I'm guilty. I am guilty of this sin. And your blood paid for that sin, my sin on the cross. And Lord, I'm asking you to wash me clean. And if you do that and truly commit your life to Christ and repent of your sins, the Bible says you'll be forgiven. And when you stand before him, you'll not be judged for that or any other sin. And let me just say this. Look, it's no different than murder, um, stealing, lying, cheating. All of these are sins. Um, it, it's, and we're all going to be held accountable. I'm going to be accountable to God. Greg's going to be accountable. Everybody's going to be accountable if we don't get it forgiven by the blood of Christ. Yeah. So all that to say, 
If you're contemplating that, reason through it, try to figure out why, and recognize the spiritual aspect of why you're so upset, and then and, and look at what the Bible says. This, Satan's been doing this throughout history. And also, for the believers out there, keep praying that God would let this happen, that Roe versus Wade would be overturned, and that we would see um, um, babies' lives saved um, as many as possible. We've killed over 60 million people. Greg, you know, it's, again, I could go into all kinds of statistics. What was but, it last year, 629,000? For, for just last year, uh, yeah. See, I don't know. I don't know the current. That, statistics. That, I think that was just on the okay. our news before we okay. came in here. Yeah. Well, here's what I do know. They're saying right now that if we, if those sixty million babies had been born, we not only would have no debt, national debt, we would be way, way, way more because of all the income that America would have, we would have no national, not a thirty trillion dollar debt. We would have excess. In other words, we'd be so blessed. How many Einsteins have we killed? How many people that could have cured cancer have we killed? All these things that we've done, and we have to realize uh, the key is it's not about us. We're so everything's focused on us, mm-hmm. us, us, and my problem. This is we're talking about eternity and God, and 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 just there's so much going on here. So mm-hmm. either way, continue to pray. Uh, this battle is not over. Uh, uh, don't be afraid to speak the truth, but remember when you speak the truth, and I hope that it comes across this way because my heart is in love. The Bible says, speak the truth in love. I speak passionately about this subject because you're talking about life and death issues for babies. That's emotional for me. Um, you know, those that get angry because they're saying they're going to stop abortion, I get angry because of abortion. So it goes both ways. So anger is not sin. The Bible says be angry and don't sin. Here's what, here's what sin is doing the wrong thing. Do the right thing. Um, Ask God to show you what the truth is. Trust your conscience on it if you don't know the Lord. And if you know the Lord, continue to pray because this battle is long from over. Satan's not just going to go, oh, well, I lost. It looks like they've uh, released an opinion. No, he's going to fight till the last Mm -hmm. minute to try to overturn this. And so uh, let's be praying for the lives of these little babies. But anyway, I wanted to address that because, again, it is the elephant in the room. We had to say something about it. And I don't necessarily see a prophetic issue about it other than... Other than throughout history, it is true, Satan has put to death the babies and others as well, and he will try to do so at the very end. He wants to take as many with him as he can, so there is a prophetic application, but really more, it's just a gigantic world issue that we need we yeah. needed to talk about. Okay, very good. All right, uh, Pastor Mark, let's uh, head over to Israel, and uh, let's go to JNS.org. Yes, let's do it. Uh, Jordan demands total control. And reduced Jewish presence yeah. on the Temple Mount. You yes, talk, yes, yes. Speaking of the enemy stirring things, uh, but I don't think we need to be worried. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much. I want to talk for a second about this, but let me read yeah. some of it. Many people may not know that Jordan right now has the control over the Temple Mount. You say, well, that's in Israel. That's true. Yes. But remember, the, the Jews have been gaining the land slowly over the years. The Temple Mount is still in the hands of the Jordanians under their control. And it says here, Jordan fears losing its recognized status as official custodian in Jerusalem's holy Muslim sites, including the Temple Mount, Judaism's holiest site, as Palestinians incited by Hamas, other terror groups, and Palestinian Authority continually held riots during the Muslim month of Ramadan. Imagine this, Greg. In order to get what they want politically, they've been causing riots and burning things. I've never seen that kind of behavior. <laughs> and at least one incident, rioters nearly set the Alaska Mosque on fire. Jordan has blamed Israel for the violence. Amazing. Okay, anyway, but Jordan is worried about the Gulf states replacing its custodian, as we said, uh, um, um, uh, control. Um, and they didn't participate in the recent Negev summit, according to Albo. It sees uh, the United Arab Emirates. They got together to talk about who would control the Temple Mount. Jordan didn't even go. Uh, they're afraid that the Arabs are going to gather together and take their authority away. Israeli ambassador to the United Nations, Gilad Erdogan, told the UN Security Council on Monday that this demand is completely detached from reality. Um, uh, the demand for Jews, again, to have nothing to do with the holy sites. Again, I'm just kind of skipping around the article. They don't want them to have any connection. He said this is ridiculous. He said the very notion, oh, and, and in, in reference here to the fact that it's Israel's fault that they started rioting. Okay, the Palestinians rioted on the Temple Mount. They set their Al-Aqsa Mosque on fire and they said, it's Israel's fault. So he responded and said, the very notion that mobs of violent rioters motivated by radical Islam terror groups could be placed on the same moral scale as law-abiding democracy, uh, Israelis, it, you know, is ludicrous. Because they were saying, they're just as guilty, but we did everything. And even the UN in this one instance, they had a UN representative, Greg, that said, hey, this is all the Palestinians. Israel, that's very rare for the U.S. Yes, it is. But now I want to, again, let me give a little bit of history here on this, or a little bit of, 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 of again, background on what's going on with the Temple Mount. I want our listeners to know 
The third temple will be rebuilt. Okay, it's going to be built. The Bible says that. But remember, there are going to be four temples. When Jesus comes back, he'll destroy this third one, and he will build the fourth one. That's very different dimensions given in Ezekiel than this third one is given. And you got to remember, the very temple mount that is there now won't be there when Jesus comes back. So he will not literally sit on that temple mount and rule and reign. The Bible says when the Lord comes back, he will set his foot on the Mount of Olives, and it tells us that the entire topography will change. That will be thrown down. Those rocks will collapse. A new platform will rise up. It talks about in the Scripture prophetically. And on that new platform... The fourth temple will be built, and Jesus will rule and reign. Now, why would the Lord have to wipe this one out or replace it? It's been so tainted, so defiled. I mean, you see how it is now. So Um, basically, the Dome of the Rock, the Alaska Mosque, the future wall that Ezekiel 42 talks about that will be built in the middle, that will be gone. And the third temple. And the third third temple, Dome of the Spirits, all gone. All gone. It's going to be completely just raised up and, and totally redone. The fourth temple will be placed. The Lord's throne will be placed in that temple, and then that's going to be fresh and brand new for the thousand years. So pretty exciting. Um, but I also want to give a little bit of understanding of what's going on here with um, the Temple Mount in this sense. I want our listeners to know this. Again, Israel does not control the Temple Mount. The Jordanians do. And biblically, they will never control it. It'll never be under Israel's control until the second coming. A lot of people think, no, well, it'll be under their control when they get their temple. No, no, no. no. Even when they get their temple, the Bible says the Antichrist will be controlling what goes on on the Temple Mount. He'll be, it's, it, the Bible talks about, um, They'll be allowed to build their third temple and sacrifice on that side. That's it. And it says the Gentiles will trample the holy place underfoot. So they'll be allowed a spot, a rental, if you want to think of it that way. But the (laughs) temple, even though a third temple is going to be built, the temple mount will never be back in Jewish hands ever until the second coming completely and fully when Jesus takes over. So don't be anxious about that. And right now it's in Jordan's control. Will Jordan, I, I think it's probably Greg's, at some point it's going to be transferred over to the control of this world governing body. The Antichrist will rule it. He'll rule and reign, et cetera, and he'll build that third temple. But either way, um, that's what's going on when you see all this crazy stuff happening in Israel with the Temple Mount. It gives a little bit more background to it. Okay, great. Uh, you are listening to Signs of the Times on WIAMLP Knoxville. It's our weekly look at Bible prophecy in the world's news. And before we move on to some anti-Semitism news, we are going to get a list question and pastor mark this is from rick uh who listens uh to us here in knoxville and he's got a question about the false prophet he says what is your understanding of where the false prophet comes into the timeline of the last days and how will he work with the antichrist that is a great question and, um, yeah, I want to say this too. If I feel like I was rushing that last answer, I'm, I was back in my old program mode thinking I have to get this answer in before the music starts. And then you went, I was like, Hey, I can relax here. So well, this is good. I like this new <laughs> format. It's nice. Um, great question. And I do believe you're going to see the Antichrist. I'll give you why the implication. I think you're going to see the Antichrist and the false prophet at the same time on the scene together. I think they'll both be in place for the full seven years. And here's why. There's a number of reasons. Remember, anti means instead of. It's not just against. It means instead of. So when the Antichrist comes on the scene, Satan is going to try to use him to replace Jesus Christ. He's the instead of Christ, the Antichrist. They uh, Everything that Satan does is a mockery of God. Remember, he said, I will be like the Most High. I will ascend to the farthest sides of the north. I'm going to be like God. So he he has his same, even as God has the Holy Trinity, um, Satan has the unholy trinity. He himself puts himself as the father, if you will. The Antichrist will be like the son. That'll be his spokesman. And, of course, the false prophet will be the position of what we would call the Holy Spirit. So you have the unholy spirit, the unholy son, and the unholy father of it all. He's the father of lies, Satan himself. So the job of the Holy Spirit is to point the eyes to the son, Jesus Christ. So even before Jesus came on the scene, but even as Jesus came right on the scene, Rick, The Holy Spirit was pointing all eyes to Jesus Christ. So I believe in order to fully mock and imitate um, what God has done through his trinity, Satan through the unholy trinity will do the same thing. The Antichrist will probably be in place. As a matter of fact, he could rise up at the same time. It could be a thing where the guy comes right on the scene at the same moment. But I suspect he'll be someone that's already in position. I suspect it will be a Catholic pope. Um, I'm not necessarily picking on anybody. I'm simply saying it's going to be a worldwide religious figure that can have the whole world looks to. There really is no one else on the planet but the Pope. 
out of all of the religions in the world, yeah. uh, Catholicism is the only one that holds a universally recognized leader. Exactly. And because of that, I do believe it will be the current pope, whoever that is. And I think he'll be in place. He'll already be, you know, at the Holy See or whatever. You know, he'll be in that little position there. And then this world leader comes on the scene. And what will happen is that leader, that pope, or whoever this false prophet is, because I could be wrong, but I think that's who it's going to be, will immediately go, hey, here's our Savior. This guy, he showed up. We, look at all this mess. He's the one. Look to him. And this false prophet will be pointing the eyes to the false antichrist or the real antichrist saying, look to him, that he'll be pointing eyes to him the same way the Holy Spirit points eyes to Jesus. So I do believe he'll already be in place. The world leader shows up. He just starts pointing all eyes to him and the whole world links together and they've got this, you know, dynamic duo, um, you know, going on um, Batman and Robin here, but a bad Batman and Robin. Yes. Uh, and uh, and that's I think that's what's going to happen here. That's going to be the dynamic duo. And again, really, it's going to be a dynamic trio with Satan again working through the Antichrist through this whole process. So a great question. Well thought out question. And I think we're going to see that person in place simply waiting for the Antichrist to show up. And then these guys are going to kick into gear. That's what I think is going to happen. Now, it's worth saying that the current pope, Pope Francis, uh, basically um, all of his rhetoric and his speeches and everything really lends himself uh, to be a candidate uh, Absolutely. For, Could be. for the pro- false prophet. And as a matter of fact, some within Catholicism believe, and I can't remember what it's called, uh, that has to do with the positions of all the popes. I don't really remember what it's right. called. Um, but a lot of those that track all of this within Catholicism has nothing to do with prophecy. It's just them. They believe that that Pope Francis is the last pope. So, you know, and it's worth noting that in the history of popedom, (laughs) um, every pope has served in office in the papacy until their death. And Pope Benedict is the first one to break protocol, if you will, in the history of all the popes and resign. Yeah. Because he said the spirit told him to or the holy spirit told him to interesting and so here you usher in francis so all of those things are worth noting as we look at the potential possibility of who might be the false prophet how old is francis now good question do not know okay Uh, the reason i say that is is that you know again he he's he's in a wheelchair now if you noticed no i did not no wonder he's been a lot more quiet. I don't know if it's temporary, mm. if he had some kind of knee or foot surgery, but he is in a wheelchair. I saw just okay. today, and not sure I didn't see why. But again, my question was, is that depending on his age, um, that's all the more reason. If indeed he is the Pope of the last days, boy, it's got to happen soon, uh, which which I believe it is going to happen soon. Because he, this this whoever this uh, false leader will be, he'll be pointing to the Antichrist through that seven-year period. So seven more yeah. years beyond whatever age he is. So, yeah. Well, and to hit a quick reset button and thinking about all this, let's go back to our Israel story regarding the Temple Mount. Yeah. Um, you know, any time that we see stories about the Temple Mount, control, uh, the, uh, you know, the Jews want to put their third temple up there, any kind of conflict on that Temple Mount is a great prophetic barometer of how close we are. Because that's going to be the hallmark, the signature thing for the Antichrist is to bring peace to the Temple Mount that no other world leader has been able to do. And as a matter of fact, and the Bible doesn't, I don't know that the Bible puts, gets that macro of a timeline in terms of how things will happen, but from what I can remember reading all of the prophecies, that he will not acknowledge that the peace treaty will have been brokered. I don't know that he'll necessarily be recognized at the one world as the one world leader at that time that gives him the the clout to sign the peace treaty. Yeah. Or is it because he brokered the peace treaty that people will recognize him yeah. as the one world leader? All of that stuff happens before he stands up in the Temple Mount that wasn't built at that time. 
and declares himself God. Right. right. He, 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 how that happens exactly, Greg, is a good question. We know this, though. When he does make that covenant, he will be recognized at that point as the world leader. Yeah. Whether or not he was, he was before there before that, it or, or Yeah, but he'll be recognized. Right then, the world's going to yeah. go, this is our world leader. Yeah. And the Jews are going to see him as their Messiah, so yes. which is why I believe he's going to be Jewish. Well, in Islam, is going to see the, see uh, him as their 12th imam, yes. the Mahdi, yes. their, their own savior. And both sides believe that their, their Messiah will bring peace to the Temple Mount. So, I mean, all of it is set up. So when we see activity regarding the Temple Mount, that is a good prophetic barometer that we're getting close because someone's going to come in and he's going to have to, you know, bring peace to that place. And Ezekiel 38 and 39 is is in tow. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting, Greg. Again, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I think that a good candidate for the Antichrist would be somebody that's half Jewish and half half, uh, Arab. Somehow, some way, somebody connected. That's that's. That, you know, I mean, they're both descendants from Abraham. Yep. But I, but for the for the Arabs to accept them, a good question would be this: Would an Arab accept? See, I don't think an Arab would accept a Jewish Mahdi, and I know that a Jew wouldn't accept an Arab Mahdi. So I think it has to be half and half. It's got to be somebody who's both. Yeah, I believe we'll see. Well, and here's what's also interesting too: is we've chronicled stories over the last couple of years, just recently, of. Saudi Arabia's kind of turnabout in terms of their rhetoric and their politics regarding Israel and how much more friendlier they have become toward Israel. Absolutely. All because of the familial ties yeah. that their 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 brothers from, you know, or their, you know, whatever from brothers of a different mother or something. Yeah, they are literally. Yeah. That I think that the warming up of relations between saudi arabia and israel is going is 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 for the purpose and this is just me saying this is for the purpose to open up the eyes of israel back to the familial ties that both sides come from the same father and that's abraham which i think when the antichrist comes on the scene and he'll be able to say i'm from here and i'm from here it's not going to be that big of a cultural shock. It's just going to be a remembrance of history that, oh, that's right. But let me tell you something really cool as you were saying that that, that came to me. Okay. Um, the real sticking point right now is uh, Sunni and Shia. Sunni believes that um, there's not as big of a gap. That's um, Saudi Arabia, Egypt. Uh, they 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 have a closer they have an easier tie back to Ishmael that's not quite as tense. Sharia, mm-mm, mm-mm. Sharia says it has to be descendants of Muhammad leading the movement. It can't just be Muslim. See, see, there's a difference here. Sharia so they're, law. They're what saying we, that. Yeah, they would be what's called the radicals of Islam. If you had a group and say, here's Islam, the radicals in Islam again, part of them that would be Sharia. They would be the ones that would say, no way would we ever accept anybody Jewish, whereas Sunni would say, okay, we're brothers, and we go back to Ishmael. Now, they also go back to Ishmael, but they're too angry about it. It's like, sure, because they separate. It's specifically Muhammad. It can have nothing to do with anybody else. It's Muhammad. He's the prophet, okay? Here's what's interesting about that. When the battle happens in Ezekiel 38 and 39, which segment of Muslims is going to be going against Israel and will be wiped out? Sharia. No, uh, uh, Shia. Shia, not yeah, Shia, Shia, not Sharia. Shia, they're the radical who won't, who are not as accepting toward Israel. That is Iran, Sudan, uh, Libya. Whereas Egypt and Saudi Arabia, they're more open Sunni, to yeah. Israel because they're Sunni, and it's not so strict on it has to be from the descendants of Muhammad. It's just their religious movement. So when when you see all the Shia taken out in that battle, not all of them, but a big chunk of them. Now this guy comes on the scene that might be half Jew, half Arab. You don't have that Shia opposition to them saying, yes, but he's not Shia. He's not a descendant of Muhammad. Saudi Arabia and Egypt would say, we don't care if he's a descendant of Muhammad because we're Sunnis. Yeah. That's not essential to our belief system. So, Greg, if you take out the group that it's essential to it being a Muhammad direct descendant, and they're taken out in the Battle of Ezekiel 38 and 39. Now you've got a whole group that can go, we can accept this guy. This is very intriguing, is it not? Well, it is because of all of the countries that are listed in Ezekiel. Yeah. And that coincidentally, Isn't that something? <laughs> those countries that are, are Shia. Are Shia. Isn't that interesting? So again, 
This I, that very well may be how this guy walks on the scene. He's much yeah. more readily received because you know what? We can get along. Yeah. We go back to Abraham. Let's. We have our world leader. Yeah. Wow. I love it. I love it. Well, why can't we get along? That's the question. Here's some growing anti-Semitism news for you, Pastor Mark. This is from Israel National News. Struggle is failing. Anti-Semitism peaked globally in 2021. What does that mean? Yeah, you know, Struggle it's interesting. Struggle is failing. We've been talking. We skipped last week, but two weeks ago we talked about it. Here it is again. Uh, Zechariah chapter 12 talks about Jews being hated more and more in the last days, as well as that's another one of these uh, signatures of Satan, even yes. about killing babies. Absolutely. He also wants to kill Jews. Yeah. On the eve, here, let me read it and then we'll talk about it. On the eve of the Holocaust Remembrance Day, uh, the Center for the Study of Contemporary European Jewry at Tel Aviv University Faculty of Humanities published its 28th annual report on anti-Semitism worldwide. The disturbing findings indicate a sharp increase in the number of anti-Semitic incidents in many countries, even compared to the pre-pandemic year of 2019. Professor Uriah Shavit Head of the Center for the Study of Contemporary Europe, European Jewry said, something just isn't working. In recent years, the fight against anti-Semitism has enjoyed extensive resources worldwide. And yet, despite many important programs and initiatives, the number of anti-Semitic incidents, including violent assaults, is rapidly escalating. In other words, we pour all this money and time into it and programs. It's just getting worse. The easy thing is to say that more laws and more funding are required, but what we really need is a courageous and unsparing examination of the efficacy of existing strategies. No, what you need is the removal of Satan from the equation. What they're saying is all of our programs and efforts and money that we've thrown worldwide to say, stop hating Jews. Mm-hmm. It's not working. People are still hating Jews, and they're hating us even more at a faster pace than they used to. So we have to come up with different programs and different plans. They don't see the spiritual side right. of it. This is demonic. It is Satan causing the hatred of the Jews worldwide. Well, and that ties back to our whole discussion in the first half uh, on abortion. When when you're agitated and stirred uh, with anger towards something that you can't explain. Yep. So uh, how many people have a, a, a hatred for the Jews, yeah. and they have no frame of reference to, to base that hatred on, any yeah. past experience or you know any kind of... You know, interaction. Yeah. It's just that they just somehow I just, oh, I hate them. That's right. It's unreasonable. But I don't know why. It's, it's unreasonable. A, it's an unreasonable hate. And yeah. I think Satan, again, he exacerbates certain things, Greg, like bringing up the, 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 the success of many Jewish people over the years. You know, and, and let me just even say this. You know, people talk about well, in Europe, the reason they hated the Jews is they had all the money and they were all the bankers and they were this. Do you know why they were the bankers and they went into the financial industry? If you know the history of Europe. What happened was Europe and Germany and all these, they forbid Jews to do farming. They didn't allow them to get into agriculture. They just shut them down. So the Jews are going, well, we were farmers. Historically, that's what we did. What else is there? Well, I guess we go into financial things. Let's, let's get into jewelry and, 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 and watches and law. And they did that and they were successful. And so they became some of the more successful, wealthy people. And then, then the enemy turned it on them. And said, look, they're the ones with all the money. They're called the wrong. So this jealousy kicks in, almost like the favoritism that Joseph got yes. with his brothers. Yeah. So, uh, you know, again, it, it, it really is. It's an, it's an unfounded hatred. Yeah. It's a, it's a spiritual hatred. As you watch today, if, if you're, again, if you're listening today and there's, there must be unbelievers listening today because this keeps coming up in my heart. And I say this, I'm so glad you're with us. What a, what a blessing it is for you to have and just evaluate what we're saying based on God's word and who we are. But again, if you have some of these thoughts, ask yourself why. What, what is motivating me to have a thought about maybe not liking the Jews? Is there a rational reason for that? How did you come up with it? What is your logic? And when you think it through, you're going to realize there really is no reason. Um, if you're saying, well, over there today, they mistreat the Palestinians. Well, I've been there 12 times. They mistreat each other. Both sides mistreat each other. They just do. Um, they're not righteous. They're not a righteous people. The Jews are not a righteous people. They're, they're unsaved. They don't know Christ. They've rejected God. We don't support Israel and stand with Israel because they're holy. We stand with them and support them because God said, I've chosen them. I'm going to revive them in the last days, and I want my believers to stand with them and support them. And then one day they're going to change from being how they are, and they're going to be part of the family. So that's why we support them. Um, But if you think it through, it's an unfounded, unreasonable position that is just from the enemy. And I would say the same thing goes when it comes to black and white issues or what we call racial issues in our society. If you don't like somebody that's different than you, let me ask you, why? Why is it 
if if you're if you're white and you look at somebody that's black and say, well, I don't like it. why. If you're black and you look at somebody white, say, I don't like it. why. Now we can all talk about slavery or they mistreat. Okay, I get all those. Those are there are some rational reasons to have anger toward someone who's done something. But if it hasn't happened to you, why are you angry with others around you? Um, it's it's a lot of these things are spiritual, and if we can recognize them as this is the enemy trying to get us to hate each other, this is the enemy trying to get us to fight, this is the enemy trying to rather than loving each other, that's where he's successful. And see, that's where we have to have our eyes opened. Okay, all right, we are uh, behind the eight ball on time, Pastor Mark. Sorry. So let's. Uh, that's okay. Uh, the Jerusalem Post: uh, Lavrov's anti-Semitism means Israel no longer neutral on the Ukraine-Russia situation. Yes, I can speed this up, but this is interesting. The Foreign Ministry summons of Russian. Uh, ambassador to israel anatoly viktorov on monday they summoned him to protest the egregious comments by russian foreign minister sergey lavrov saying that hitler had jewish blood uh, what <laughs> happened was um lavrov's comments came in response to a question by an italian radio interviewer about how he could call ukrainian president Zelensky a nazi when Zelensky himself was a jew in addition, mm. uh, Lavrov said, well, for a long time now, we've been hearing the wise Jewish people say that the biggest anti-Semites are Jews themselves. Um, and regardless of Israel's divine, a genuine interest in not wanting to antagonize Russia, they're antagonizing them by all this. Uh, they're not staying neutral because now they're getting involved in supporting Ukraine. So he basically said, look, you're trying to defend, um, you know, uh, Zelensky and saying that we're the ones that are being like Hitler. He says, well, Hitler had Jewish blood. You guys say that. And so they all got in a you know, big uproar about it. But here's the bottom line on this. Greater and greater tensions between Israel and Russia. And that's what we're watching for for this upcoming battle in Ezekiel 38 and 39. Yeah. Any excuse that Russia can use. So, anyway. Absolutely. Yes. Okay, let's get into some pestilence, plagues, disasters, and corruption. Uh, this is from CNN. Uh, Lake Mead water valve is exposed for the first time amid historic drought. Yes, this is amazing, Greg. The, the, the uh, Southern Nevada Water Authority's water intake valve at Lake Mead it's been in service in 71. It's, it's now actually visible for the first time in existence above its water line. Uh, the reservoir is only 35% full. It says it's the worst drought in centuries. And by the way, a study published in February found that from the period of 2000 to 2021 was the driest in that region for 1,200 years. So here's what's happening. Major, major drought. The Bible says in the last days there will be drought and famine. And now we're watching more things that are making it worse. Drought and famine. It's just, it's getting just, again, that word comes up again, exacerbated. It's, it's increasing. And it's what exactly the Bible said we should be watching for these increases in the last days. Yeah. More famine on the way. Yeah. All right. Uh, Israel National News is reporting on a new study that says face mask usage correlating with higher death rates. Yeah, this is interesting. I wanted this I wanted almost to put this in as a public service announcement because we <laughs> yes. well, listen, we've been saying for a long time yeah. that the face masks are making people sicker because yes. they work really great in a sterile environment on a surgeon because he's not touching them. But as we put them on and off, on and off, on and off, and we breathe the same thing, same we're, just, we're filling them with bacteria and germs. Yes. So now we have the studies. Greg, listen to how extensive this study was. They've now shown that masks actually increase sickness and death during COVID. So if you're wearing a mask today, I encourage you, no matter how you feel politically, remove it because it's making you sicker. This is from just the facts and the data. Using data from 35 countries and 602 million people. Peer-reviewed study confirmed previous research that face masks may be harmful, uh, may have had harmful unintended consequences. It said that the uh, correlation between mask compliance and COVID-19 outcomes in Europe demonstrated that the use of face masks, even widespread, did not give any better outcomes for COVID, in other words, preventing it. However, it says more mask uses correlated with a higher death rate where they were used. He says, moreover, the study concludes the the moderate positive correlation between mask usage in the deaths in Western Europe also suggests that the universal use of masks may have actually had harmful, unintended consequences. Thirty five nations, 602 million people. They now show that the masks made COVID-19 worse. Yeah. Just let that soak in for a minute. Again. I, I just I encourage our listeners for health reasons. It's time to reason this out. Let the mask go so that you can be healthier. Yeah, good point. All right, Pastor Mark, CNN, uh, back again. Uh, we got two in our stack from CNN. How about them? Uh, India and Pakistan heat wave is testing the limits of human survivability. Yeah, is this 
an overblown statement, or is this true? Well, again, from what they're saying, the temperatures there are, it's very, very devastating for the region. I'm looking at it from, again, a famine perspective, because when you have this kind of heat, it says India experiences heat waves during the summer months of May and June, but this year's temperatures start rising in March and April, start rising then in the northern state of Punjab, known as India's breadbasket. Remember, we affected Ukraine's breadbasket. It's causing heat stress, not only for millions of agricultural workers, but for fields of wheat that rely on feeding families that they uh, across the country. So, again, we're seeing, Greg, all over the world, we're seeing things affecting famine. Story after story. Keep your eye on it. Again, it's a sign of the times in the last days. Yeah. Um, Matthew 24, just chock full of end times prophecy events. Absolutely. Um, we could just uh, devote our a whole show to that sometimes. Yes. Uh, anyway, let's move on. Uh, let's get into some weird news. Uh, we don't get this that often. Um, yeah. And I I love these things. Yeah. I don't know why. I just do. It just... <laughs> because it really... It's just... The lunacy, you know, is, is just amazing to me. But yet I've got to remember that they honestly believe that this is possible. Yeah. So... And you mentioned something before the show, and I hope you bring it up on, on air. I will. Uh, this is from the New York Post. NASA is wants to send or is going to send naked pictures and not really pictures they're illustrations of humans in the hope of attracting aliens yeah. and i said before the show this sounds like a like a galactic match.com it's a dating service. you know it's like a dating service i'm, you know? I'm hoping to find an alien yeah. uh, do you find me and my double helix yeah. attractive yeah. I, I mean like, you know the fourth head on that guy's really yeah. cute I guess. <laughs> That third eye, right in the middle of the forehead, is just... <laughs> I like that one the best. Yes. It's a different color than a different the other really one. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you're right, Greg. It says the depictions also will include an invitation to respond should an intelligent alien race find the space nudes. And again, what's amazing is they're still looking for an intelligent uh, <laughs> race here. I think that's what... Oh, my word. Yes, the that pictures is so true. aren't graphic photographs of naked humans, but a drawing of a naked man and a woman next to the depiction of DNA. The man and woman are waving in an attempt to look more inviting. <laughs> now, they did get their first response back, Greg. And oh, it said did something they? like this. Put on some clothes, exclamation mark. Um, but either way. No, oh, and, and Greg, okay, so we, we look at this and go, oh, my yes. goodness, you got to be kidding me. But now, again, uh, aliens keep coming up. And the UFO thing yes. and, and, and all this, it used to be a big joke. It's not a joke anymore. But what I brought up before the show that I want to share with our listeners very interesting. I have on my desk in my office from a science uh, website, not a Christian site, it's a science website. Um, they now have found um, DNA in certain people that is non-human. And they don't know why. Um, it's not animal. They know that animals and humans can't come together and the DNA won't match. You can't actually, as, as gross as that sounds, some you know, thought could be, well, maybe it was people that actually tried to have you know, relations with animals and that, that actually happens in a sinful way. But no, they said nothing can happen like that. So they finally came down to, at the end of the, the article, they said the only explanation we have is that it, was, it, it, it must have been aliens and who at some point came to the planet and actually had relations with Earth people and it got mingled into our DNA. So they now have found non-human DNA in certain humans around the globe. Very interesting, scientifically. You know, it's amazing what science discovers. Yeah. Now, but does the Bible support that? You know, interestingly, it does. Um, Genesis chapter 6 talks about the sons of God coming into the daughters of women. And in the Old Testament, sons of God is a reference used of man in the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, it's only used one way. It's only used of angels. Uh, we see it in Job twice, calls the angels sons of God. And then there in Job, um, somebody could try to make the argument that it's talking about men there, but because it's used twice for obvious angels in Job, because of the hermeneutical principle expositional constancy in the Old Testament, that leads me to believe that when it says sons of God, which is quite a contrast to daughters of men, that angels actually had relations there in Genesis 6 with men. Now you go on to read it, it and, says be, were, and to be specific, the fallen well, angels. Yes, the fallen yes. angels, you're right. The yeah. fallen angels. And matter of fact, the word, the, the Nephilim, it says we're born, it means fallen ones. Yes. And it says in that day, in the, after it says that, in those days, it says there were giants on the earth. So you see a, it, what appear to be physical abnormalities. You see uh, the definition of fallen ones, it, by literal Hebrew, the meaning, interacting with women. 
Um, and we know that God took some of the angels because they did something so bad. It tells us in, in, in Peter and in Jude, they did something so bad, and he compared it to the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah in Peter and in Jude. So it would appear to be a sexual sin. He said they left their proper domain and went after strange flesh. And he's locked them up, Peter tells us, in a place called Tartarus because they did something so egregious that God locked a certain group of the angels up before Judgment Day. Now, the rest of the fallen angels are still roaming. But a group of them got locked up before Judgment Day because they did something so bad that he compared to sexual sin and to Sodom and Gomorrah. And then we see the sons of God came into the daughters of women, and they were fallen ones, and giants were in those days. I, I think... I think it's pretty un, undeniable that angels had relations with humans. Now, I believe that explains what scientists have found. I believe it explains the, the DNA that is alien, put that in quotes, um, that is now in humans because it passed on. It apparently was in Noah, either in Noah and one yeah. of his sons and daughters. Somehow they had had a, a connection before the flood. They brought it over in the flood and it carried on through their bloodline. And I think that's why you find some of the, I believe, Angelic DNA intermingled with man's today, and science backs that up. Now, we can explain that biblically, but what does science say? Greg, they say it's aliens. Not just in that scientific journal I was reading there that I have a copy of, but I'll show you his name. His last name Dawkins. Um, he's, he's one of the world's leading uh, evolutionists. He's a professor out of Britain. And he finally came to the conclusion after all of his years of evolution studies that evolution was scientifically impossible, which he's an unbeliever. He, he doesn't believe in God. He's very anti-God, anti-Christian. But now he, he came out, he said evolution is impossible. It can't, there wasn't enough time for evolution to take place. So he himself, one of the leading experts on evolution, has denounced evolution. But he had an answer when he said, they said, well, send the, what, what's your answer now? Then how did all this happen? How did mankind just get here if it wasn't by evolution? And there's no God, because you say there's no God. Mm. He said, he literally said this, I, I saw him on video, he said it, aliens. He said, I believe now that aliens came to the earth, had relations with earthly women, and are, are, are basically aliens came to the earth and had children, and it started mankind, and from those aliens, we're all alien descendants, he's saying, from their kids, that's how the earth got populated, and that's why the evolutionary you know, scheme shows an instant start, rather than evolutionary changes, that's why we know we don't need all that time for it to happen. Aliens came here, had kids, and now we are the children of aliens. In one way, he's right. It's not how it started. Obviously, it was yeah. Adam and Eve and yeah, God created right. us. Yeah. But he's recognizing that an outside source of living being came to the earth and started mankind. So they're not that far off, but they're very far off at the same time. But isn't that interesting to see how it's coming back to this alien beginning? Now, isn't there some tie to what the Mormons believe? Yes. They, Greg... Absolute great point. I was just thinking that. Okay. They believe that um, Adam was the god of this earth, as they can be yeah. their own gods over planets. He was put here. He had Eve. They had children. They populated the earth. So, yes, they believe the same type of thing yeah. in a different slant. But, again, it all goes back to the same, I believe, demonic source. And there is some, I believe, legitimacy to an outside source of beings bringing in a source of life to the earth apart from gods. And that's why we find alien DNA right now in circulation in certain people. And that's why evolutionists such as Dawkins over now in England are saying, I, I will not acknowledge God, I will not acknowledge creation, but I do believe that aliens came to the planet and started mankind, and now we're turning back toward aliens, which Greg may explain the, the atheist mindset in the last days. Well, I think beyond the DNA too, Pastor Mark, isn't there archaeological evidence uh, with regard to skull findings down there in Peru or some South American country? There are country? some very bizarre-shaped yes. skulls. Now, they give an explanation. They say it's because of some ritual where they would stretch the brain at birth. Could that have happened? It is possible. But when you see the stretching of these brains and the extra bone material, Greg, it doesn't look... It, that very, it, it may very well have a connection to some of these demonic interactions. Well, it looks a lot like some of the sketches that have been made from people that have said they've seen UFOs or aliens. That is a great point, Greg. Yeah. I think I think you're going to find some connection there again. again. Now, some scientists say it's brain stretching, whatever. I tend to believe that may be actual evidence on the earth from some of the giants in those days when the angels inter cohabitated with women and the sons of God came into the daughters of men. So it's going to get weird. And listen, what did the Bible say? Jesus said it's going to be like in the days of Noah. Yeah. Could there be a remingling? Could the aliens once again try something weird? Maybe not. I'm not saying that. 
But yeah. all of this, we know it's going to be very interesting, like the days of Noah. So keep your eyes open, keep your spiritual glasses on, and stay tuned to Signs of the Times, because <laughs> when we find out, we'll let you know. Yes, we will. <laughs> wow. Interesting stuff. Pastor yep. Mark, thank you so much. Folks, thank you for joining us, whether you're listening to the podcast or watching the video. We appreciate your time, and we hope you can join us next time as we continue to discuss and learn how those things happening in our world today are pointing to God's prophetic word as signs of the times. Have a great week, and we'll see you back next Friday at one thirty. Life is a series of choices that you get to make. Some seem small. Others are much bigger. Some don't seem to have any consequences, but others carry either risk or reward. God spent time defining both the risk and reward of many decisions that you make. Sometimes the details are ignored. His instructions are found in the Bible. And it's never been about how hard he can make life for you and everything to do with maximizing your performance, longevity, and satisfaction. But the choice, he leaves that to you. You could learn from the lessons he teaches, the lives of people you know, or you could learn the lesson on your own. That is a way to learn, but it hurts more and takes a while to heal. Because God teaches, that must mean that you can learn. Keep reading, keep listening, and make good choices 